this is Cynthia McIntosh. And this is Abraham. And we want to welcome you to our new show, Rock and Talk. Hey, everyone, this is Cynthia. Thank you so much for listening in to the new Rock and Talk show. And I wanted to introduce our talk show host, Abraham. Hi, Abraham. Hi, Cynthia. It's great to be here. And we are live. This is our maiden voyage out into the live airwaves. It's very exciting. It and we is. Also, yeah. I mean, how are you feeling? How are you feeling about this? Isn't this cool? It, it <laughs> is cool. And we have a wonderful guest yeah. on the show. We do. Yep. Uh, Mr. Robert Crawford, who's a songwriter, composer, a producer, a guitarist, an arranger, a vocalist. He's got a, his own recording studio, RMCO Music, and he's done recording engineering and live sound engineering, stage managing. He's consulted for the music business, and you name it, this man has done it. And I understand, Cynthia, that you have had him on the show before, and uh, yeah, and it was a wonderful experience, right? It was. Hi, Bob. Thank you so much for being on the show. And I think the last time you were on the show with me would have been around 2014. Do I have that right? I Somewhere around there? Right. <laughs> it's been a while but yeah, yeah. Um, yeah last time I talked to you you were in the process of finishing up a book that you were writing it was a textbook for universities is that correct yes it is yeah how did that go uh, well the book was published in 2011 actually oh. um, it was called symmetric cycles and it basically is a marriage between music and mathematics and it, it is uh, based on the work of John Coltrane, Pat Martino, Nicholas Slanimsky. What it does is it takes the uh, octave, basically the, 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 the basic building block of Western music, and then divides it into equal parts and then creates what's called um, cadences that make the, uh, the music sound inside and outside at the same time. And it very interesting. Totally, wow, that is it, it totally just changes the complexion of 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 what what's going into your ears because um, it ends it starts in one place and ends in the other, but goes through like it can go through three or four key changes uh, before it gets to the final result, which is this, the same chord it started on. It it's brilliant. I mean, I'm the smart huh. guy. <laughs> I, you know, I, you I are. Had a, I had a friend tell me a long time ago, um, he was mentioning how math and music were so closely related. Um, so as as this happens, is it through a mathematical process versus a musical one? It's both, actually. What it does, because it divides the octave, in, in a, it, it divides an octave and multi-octaves by one or more equal divisions, which I don't know how technical you want me to get, but, um, for example, what, the Coltrane major third cycle is, it divides it into, uh, it goes from, what is it, uh, C to E to um, uh, G sharp back to C, and that it's like three incarnations, basically, of authentic cadences that starts with a C and ends with a C, but goes through these other key changes at the same time. And for writing, it's amazing because you can connect huh. chords in ways you would never expect. 
Well, I'm, I'm familiar with music theory, and I'm sure uh, some of our listeners, or many of our listeners, maybe too. So th- this breaks the uh, the traditional going to you know from the tonic to to the dominant type of cycle, and it it redefines what makes that um, um, an authentic cadence, if you will. Pretty much. Wow. But what it that's does, really it, cool. it's really good in. Um, a lot of different. Hold on a second. Let me see if I have this written out. Um, well, all right, doesn't matter. It's really good for modal music. It's good for pentatonic blues. It's good for any kind of modal jazz. It's good for pentatonic blues. It anything with a static chord center, and you just play these cycles um, over the chord center, and um, it just it just widens your palate unbelievably wow that sounds really interesting and this book's been out since when uh 2011 it was published by charles collin publications you can get it at jamie abersall's uh jazz books and you can get it on my website you can get it from charles collin as well well, Cynthia, I know what I want for Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> I told you he had a really unique take on. I, uh, I had told him that you had done a textbook. I said, but don't expect it to be your your average book on theory. <laughs> well, let, let me explain. Also, the book is only ten dollars because um, I could have made the book a lot more money and had tons of pages, just filled with examples. But what I did was I put two examples for each cycle. And I've, then I told people, figure it out, create your own, you know, because otherwise, man, it's just, what do, you, what do I need a $50 book for, you know, just to bog everybody down with 50 examples per cycle. And there are 19 cycles. Wow. Yeah. So, um, yeah, Bob's been around. I don't know if he's, no, Bob, you uh, have been playing with quite a few people in your lifetime. You're not new to this. You've been around for 30 years as a songwriter. Actually, producer. actually more. That was um, that was an old bio. <laughs> <laughs> All righty then. So you're going to have to. It's actually then. it's actually 45 years. Wow. Yeah, that's wow. there's a big difference there. Okay, but he has played with people like Jocelyn Brown, Mick Taylor, Maxine Brown. Tell me if there's uh, if I'm missing anybody though. Dennis Williams. From the Temptations, Larry Harlow. Your list is huge. You've been yeah, you've been around. You've played with quite a few people. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's still he's still working rec- with uh, recording artists. He's doing underscoring for film, TV, product placement, ringtones, video games, the whole shot. The reason I bring that up is because I'm really excited about what we're going to be talking today about. Um, we're going to be focusing on music licensing and song placement and how to get your music out there with an emphasis on song choices, copyright protection, music production, publishing, contract pitfalls, what to watch out for, what to insist on having in your contracts. He's got some amazing information for those of you who are in the music industry. So be sure to call in and ask him your questions in the next segment of the show. In case you don't have it, you can call 888-627-6008. Call in and ask him your questions. It should be really exciting. I'm already excited. I, I, I've got to get this book. I've just got to get this book. <laughs> I kind of figured you would. <laughs> yeah. So, so uh, what, what led you into this whole thing? What, what brought 
the book into being? Okay. Um, when I first heard Coltrane, I freaked out. <laughs> I mean, uh-huh. he was just so way, brilliant. Right? <laughs> so brilliant. All those uh, Impulse albums, uh, the earlier Prestige albums. But once uh, Atlantic recorded Giant Steps, it was like, damn, <laughs> how did he do that? And so um, it, it was stuck in the back of my mind for a long time. And when I, I had opened a rehearsal facility back in uh, in New York in 1975, and um, Pat Martino was one of our clients, and he was a he was a Coltrane aficionado as well. So we spent a lot of time talking about Coltrane and the, the cycle, the major third cycle. And I started talking about things that I had been thinking about, minor third cycles, flat five cycles, things like that. And I showed him some examples, and he was he was interested in it. And then we were talking some more, about, and then Nicholas Slanimsky's name came up, who is this master theoretician who has a book called Thesaurus of Scales, which is a, one of those 600-page books that I didn't want to write. You know, because he has <laughs> millions of examples of stuff, and it's like, you know, after a couple, you can make your own. You know, if you know how you know how the cycles work. And so uh, Pat and I talked, and um, I just uh, I went ahead and went to his place twice in in uh, in Philadelphia, and spent the night one time as we were just talking all night about this stuff. And he's I've acknowledged him uh, in the book because he was the one that opened me up to the Slanimsky ideas of multiple octaves divided by multiple intervals, which really creates incredible sound sound colors. I mean, it just really opens it up. Wow, very interesting. Uh, yeah, one of the things I really, really love about Bob is that he is so diverse. The kind of music you write is amazing. It's, it's no two sound anything alike, at least not from what, what I've heard. You really, your writing to me is just fascinating. It really is. Well, thank I you. Love, I really appreciate I that. love your, your uh, music, Robert. You, um, you know, actually, Robert I, I, I picked a favorite, by the way, Robert, and we can't play it today, unfortunately, Why? but I know which I know which one's my favorite. Pipsqueak. That's got to, no, Pipsqueak, that's got to be, that's got to be my theme song. Oh, I'm only, okay. I'm a big, I'm a big four nine. You know, and I just heard that song and I just fell in love with it. But for we're actually going to play a song right now. It's a jazz funk song written and produced by you. And all of the instrumentals on this are by you. It's amazing. We're going to play Baby Cake Walk. So let's stay tuned. We'll go ahead and listen to that song. And then we are going to take a caller. We have a caller online too, which we'll yes. take as soon as we listen to the song. Bye. 
my head is bobbing and I'm not sure it's going to stop. That was awesome. <laughs> Wasn't it? Isn't that just so fun? I just yeah. love that. It's a blast. And uh, I happen to really like jazz, but that was just so much fun. And there, it, what, like I said, what's really amazing is that he just plays so many different kinds of music. You'll see as we play the rest of it. No two are anything alike. And we have a caller online too. Travis, how are you doing today? Uh, living the dream. You know, I called. I know you are, Travis. <laughs> Travis is. Tra Travis is my hero. Okay, you guys know that I'm a life coach to people in the in the music world. In fact, if you well, if you don't, you do now. And Travis is my life coach. He's the one that keeps my head on straight. So. Hey. Yeah, you're just, you're just on time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Travis. Oh, yeah. it forward, man. That's great. <laughs> hey, Travis. Am I? Didn't I see show. somewhere that you used to be a musician? I'm not. I didn't used to be. I wasn't a musician. You're always a musician. Yeah. I'm still well, that that is true. That's very no true. Sure. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I've seen some. I've seen some pretty wild pictures of you, though. <laughs> oh, you know, I, I, I don't. I don't play the uh, your typical instruments. I play a lot of uh, kind of the what people would consider the weirder eclectic world instruments. But that that song that you were playing right there, I was. I'm a bass player, and I was just grooving with that song. It was so good. Uh, it had a great groove. Yeah, yeah, right. Isn't it awesome? Yeah, I really liked it. So, yeah. Um, why don't you tell us the story behind? I thought the story behind the name of this song was really cute. You have to share. Oh, okay. I had a Siamese kitten named Baby Cakes, and she would, as Siamese kittens do, they they scream all the time. Well, they just walk around. She was <laughs> tiny, but she wouldn't walk around. She would hop around. So you know, I'd try to feed her, and she hops to the bowl and eats out of the bowl. So. I just thought, man, that's a baby cake walk, and that's how it happened. <laughs> uh, oh, I love it. I, I thought, love it. I thought of it. I thought, of, I thought about saying baby cake hop, but that doesn't make sense. So the baby cake walk seemed to be better because it's kind of a strut. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I was, hop I was hopping to that song, man. So I don't know either way. It was great. Cool. It was good stuff. Isn't it wonderful? Yeah, I just love it. And so, so, so Travis. Uh, sorry, Cynthia. Um, Travis, were you hearing then uh, about uh, this book that Robert was talking about with the the major third cadences and the Coltrane ideas and all that? You know, I, I heard the very tail end of that, that he's writing 600 pages of a book that he didn't want to write. And I can kind of relate to that. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, the book, yeah, is, 40, yeah, the book is only 40 pages. So. <laughs> well, yeah, he decided he did not want to write 600 pages. So his book is only 40 pages. Oh, I see. I, you know, <laughs> theory and my music theory the extent of my music theory i'm so envious because i've always want to learn all that music theory and the extent of my music theory is you know it's a bass player like what key are you in all right great cool we'll just, <laughs> 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 hopefully it sounds good well i don't know i don't know travis if you heard but what he's what he was going to be um talking about today and i always find it really fascinating because i have a you know my my background is more the business aspects of music but he was going to be talking about music licensing and song placement, how to get your music out there, copywriting, uh, copyright protection, things that so many musicians don't know how to handle. And so I'm really interested in seeing what he has to say about how he he's going to talk about 
everything from libraries, getting your music into libraries and so on and so forth, because he's got a background in doing music for films, for TV, you know, just he's got an amazing background. So I'm excited to, oh. I hope maybe he can help you get some of your music out there too, since you hide it so well that oh, wow. I didn't even know about it. <laughs> yeah, I do, I do. Yeah, yeah. You know what? It's it's mainly uh, these days. I used to be in a band. And I used to do that whole thing. But these days, it's just kind of campfire kind of stuff. But maybe I'll start sharing some more of it. I think what you're doing is much so needed in the music industry because there's so many talented kids and artists out there and, and these groups that aren't being recognized and don't know the first thing about getting their music out there. So I think that definitely oh, so what you're true. doing is great stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Thank so, you. Yeah, so Robert, uh, uh, tell, us, tell us about your experience there. Um, with the music licensing, licensing, and uh, the song placement. Um, okay, uh, for years, I mean, I wrote my first. I'm 68 years old. My first song I wrote when I was 11. And, wow. Uh, so, so I was always I was performing um, as as a vocalist and a songwriter for years before playing jazz. Um, and um, once the 70s came along. Um, I, I had to make a living because I wasn't placing enough songs, so I opened up a rehearsal facility. That's where I met um, all these people, you know, Pat Martino and Larry Harlow and uh, all these people. I mean, just tons of people. Maxine uh -huh. Brown, Beverly Crosby, the Aztec Two-Step, mm -hmm. all that. And uh, so I had to make a living, and um, I, was, I didn't really play out as much as I needed to. So eventually, um, I started trying to play songs with people. Um, some were done. I have a, uh, a song with um, with Larry Harlow, uh, one with Jocelyn Brown, uh, one with Maxine Brown, um, and a lot of people would come here uh, to my recording studio, which happened in, in 1984, um, to record my material for their records. A lot of their records didn't didn't pan out, but I got paid, so I was good. Um, but um, once the uh, the industry really started to change, and um, it was harder and harder to play songs, um, and especially now with the internet and the music industry now becoming almost an IT business, um, the only way for people in my age group to really to make money is through uh, placing songs, you know, in all kinds of different venues. There's film and TV. Um, right. all, let me just think here. All this. Even does uh, video games, yeah, ringtones. Theme, theme songs, <laughs> underscoring, right. yeah. advertising, yeah. product placement. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And sometimes in corporate business presentations, ringtones, vi video games, websites. And also I've had one of my jazz tunes put in 15 compilations that are all on Spotify. So I get royalties from those. And um, nice. I'm still, I'm still uh, I mean, I'm involved in 20 music libraries. And um, it's, it's a crapshoot because there's a lot of people out there, you know, but you have to get, make sure that your stuff is mastered um, to the point where um, it sounds like it could be on a record. You know, right. that's a problem that a lot of people have. They have a home studio, but they have they don't treat their room correctly, so what sounds good in their studio, you take it outside and it sounds awful. 
You know, huh. um, yeah. yeah. There's a there's so- a certain um, there's a certain way to treat rooms. I, I there's a uh, a box that I have. It's called the um, what is it? I'm looking. I haven't. Uh, drive rack studio. What it does is you um, sit in front of your speakers. Put three feet. They have to be uh, three feet apart, and you make an equilateral triangle. And then you put a white noise thing, or actually a pink noise generator happening. And this flattens your room out automatically. And if it can't, it tells you what you need to do to do it. And so the room that I have here is small, but it's flat as hell. And that means it'll sound good anywhere. Hmm. Uh, wherever you take it, it'll sound good. It won't be bass heavy. It won't be top heavy. And it's, um, it makes for a much easier transition because um, I record analog still. Um, I have a 24-track, uh, one-inch Tascam analog uh, multi-track, and I mix the digital so that um, if recording in digital is, is a little brittle for me. But the analog, the analog uh, concept is, makes the, the tracks really fat, and it sounds yeah, natural the way that out. people hear things. People don't hear ones and zeros. You know, they hear waveforms. And uh, that's basically how um, I get the sound that I get. And people need to understand that they really do need to have a flat result uh, when they mix so that it will, it will travel well to other venues, to radio so, stations, to <clears throat> wherever. So, Robert, I have a question for you. So sure. when, once you have your, your mastered sound and, and your levels and the, you know everything else is set to go, so you have this master, what, what's, at least today in today's market, what's your typical um, medium that you deliver on? Is it something that you email through an MP3? Do you send them a CD? Uh, what, what seems to be some of the more common, say the top three common formats that people should be aiming for when they're going to present it for song placement? Okay, WAV files, uh, MP3, 320, KBPS, and CDs. Those are the okay. ones. Um, usually the sites will tell, the one, the libraries will tell you what they want. Uh-huh. Um, and do they Wave use... files are the biggest, I mean, they take up the most the most uh, space. But uh, what I what I use to to send wave files is uh, a it's a site called wetransfer.com, which yeah, they, we, mm-hmm. you can send two gigs worth of material for free, which right. is really right. terrific. Right? Yeah, we use it a lot. So Travis, are okay. you still on the line? I'm still here. You are. Do you have? Do you do any kind of contracts at all with your music? No, nothing like that. I, I haven't I haven't been in a band or anything like that. In, a decade about this bringing back memories almost though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just wondered because actually, Robert, I do want to take some time um, before the break and we're going to have to take a break soon, but I wanted to discuss contracts a little bit because I know when you and I did a show before, we spent a lot of time on that and right. it is something that I have seen when I managed bands, which I've done in the past in my other life. Um, I know that that was something that people got really, really caught up in, where they'd signed a contract, they thought it was a great, you know, just a wonderful deal, and 
I would tell them, nah, you better check on this. And I'd show them something, but they were so excited. They would just do it anyway. And then later call me up and go, help, but it's a little late. <laughs> and really? um, it has happened. Sadly, it's happened more than once. And in some, some cases, it was really pretty devastating and ruined people. So that to me is kind of something that's really important is being sure that you know what to look for in a contract, what to sign and what not to sign. And unfortunately, you don't necessarily learn that in school. Oh, that's for so, sure. Oh, there are there are music business courses, um, but there you know it, I'm kind of an autodidact. I kind of you know teach myself all this stuff. There is right. a great right. book by Donald Passman called Instant, "All You Need to Know About the Music Business," mm. and um, it that that's how I learned to do contracts is to read it. It gives you examples of things. Um, you can, you can get contract templates online, and you can uh, juxtapose those with the Passman book. And it's, uh, it's served me well. I haven't had any problem with any of the contracts that, that I've done, and I've done probably 25 of them. Wow. Um, I, what about, um, okay, now, I think last we had talked about looking at contracts when you're going to do any kind of um, Library work, putting your music in libraries. You had said that there are certain things you really need to look out for, meaning oh, you know, who's going to own. Yeah, I know that's an important part of understanding the music business is knowing where to put your music. And if you do put your music somewhere, be sure you still maintain the rights that you want to have. So I remember us talking about licensing in library work was real okay. important. You want me to go through some of this? Absolutely, please. Yes. Okay, first. Um... You have to, if you are if you are dealing with people online, you need to make sure they accept online submissions and what formats work best. You know, at least for the initial thing, what they want links, attached MP3s, WAV files, etc. Then you need to know if the agreements are non-exclusive or exclusive. Um, if you're just starting out, or or if you have enough um, experience under your belt, I don't have any exclusive contracts. Um, I would sign one if somebody showed me through a non-exclusive deal that they they could uh, really bring in revenue. So I have uh, Robert. I'm, excuse me. Um, yeah. Can you define exclusive and non-exclusive for our listeners? Oh sure. Exclusive means that if you sign an exclusive contract, say I'm like, I signed Baby Cake Walk to an exclusive library, that means I, nobody else can present that song. That's what exclusive means. It ties you down big time. So, the, so they get to do something with it, but nobody else can. Right. And very often, I mean, if they try a couple times, can't do it, they, it could sit on the shelf for the, for the remainder of the contract that you signed. So I don't do that. Mine is all, mine oh, yeah. all non-exclusive. And um, there's a lot of lobbying for people to only do exclusive work. Of course, that's like, you know, the, the owners of things just, wanting complete control and not necessarily want to be obligated the other way. Right. I was going to say, it's probably fairly hard to get a non-exclusive contract, is it not? Not anymore. No? People, are getting, people are getting very, very tired of the exclusive model not working for the artist or the writer. Good. Yeah. yeah so, you know, I, I did hear a horror story. I don't know if it's as prevalent now, but... There, there was a time where a band would um, 
be excited about the deal they're getting with a record label. They get signed on, they get paid just, you know, some nominal stipend to have signed. And basically what they're being paid for is if the band is really good, but they've already invested money in another group, they're buying the right to put you on the shelf until they say it's time to let you out. That's and they, exactly right. You know, so that's that's a big pitfall. I don't know if they're still doing it today, but I heard about that quite some time ago. Okay, now that's a different thing because that's if you sign to a record label as a band or as as a performing artist. The the stuff I was just talking about is all about being a songwriter publisher. Mm -hmm. Yep. The non-exclusive uh, rights to the song. Uh, now some of the other things um, that you have to watch out for, you have to ask for the length of the term of the contract. A lot of contracts will say in perpetuity, which means forever. Which means forget about it. <laughs> don't, wow. even, don't don't even think about it. But, <laughs> but they put it in there. They put it in there all the time. You know, I mean, I was working with a guy that that produced Michael Jackson, and uh, he was getting into the music licensing field of things, and his thing was in perpetuity. And I said, I'm sorry, I can't do it. And he wouldn't budge, so I said, sorry. You know, meanwhile, Michael well, Jackson's dead, so he's yeah. nothing now. <laughs> wow. And so that, does that mean you still would have been locked into it at this point if you'd signed it? Yeah. Wow. See, these are the pitfalls, man. Yeah. You know, wow. here's another here's another one. They ask about renewable contracts and at whose option. You know, sometimes they'll say, okay, one year right. at, at at with a five-year option at our discretion. Uh-uh. Don't do it. You know, it has to be mutual uh it can be automatically renewable um, in, ter in terms of both people signing the agreement for the next year and the year after and the year after. There always has to be an exit clause as well. You know, that, wow. uh, that you that's some good leave. information. Yeah, so you leave, you know, usually it's 30 to 90 days you give them to uh, give them notice that after that time they won't be able to represent you. You know, these are things you've got to find out ahead of time before signing anything. You don't want right. to go through this. You don't want to have to negotiate this after you've signed something. Yeah, you know? absolutely. That makes sense. So yeah, a lot of times the, the initial contract, if, if somebody doesn't really review it carefully and comb through it, there's going to be clauses to that presenter's advantage. They're not going to be doing anybody any favors and it sounds like you really have to use a lot of scrutiny to uh, get around those, spot them, and renegotiate key points. Absolutely. The other thing, I mean, if you can afford a lawyer, you get a lawyer. You know, I learned some of this through lawyers um, who were friends of mine that I didn't have to pay. Um, and, but then I, you know, <laughs> as I got into the, the business part of this, um, I did the research, and um, and the Passman book has really helped. Now, here's some more stuff. You have to make sure that you get the revenue split in writing. Um, and the other thing, this is absolutely essential, do not allow them to retitle your song. Oh, wow. Now, the, the, uh, their uh, rationale is, well, if two people have the same song, you know, how do we know uh, who owns what? You know, so we retitle it. What happens in that case is suppose you have two organizations 
um, with your song, but with different titles. So they give it to a music supervisor, and he listens to both, and he says, what's going on here? What's the, what's the name of this song? You know, And rather than having to divvy it up and deal with who owns what and whatever, they will pass on your song. Uh, mm-hmm. So you have to, there are ways to uh, demarcate which song is owned by who, as far as the music supervisor pre- presenting it to the producer, director, or whoever. There are ways to do that. I've, I've had organizations change their format based on what I told them about how to present it. You know, what, what you do is you, you have your, the song in the middle and you have a greater than and less than on either side, and then they put their initials on each side, showing that they are the one representing the song in a non-exclusive way. Okay. Well, we need to take a break, and we are going to listen to your song, Storm of Changes. Oh, okay. And and this is another song where you did all the vocals and the yep. instrumentals, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Correct. Okay, well, we're going to listen to that song, Storm of Changes. And this is the last one that we listened to was jazz funk. This one is pop. Like I said, mm-hmm. he's got all kinds of styles. <laughs> is coming down Don't forget All the love that's still around Still around Still around I know it's hard Much is so unfair. Sometimes it seems that nobody really cares, really cares, really cares. But my father. Your feelings into form. Find the light inside the storm of change.
and try to let some gentle loving in, loving in, loving in. Throw away if you throw away the chance you hold. Find that you'll surely dance alone, dance alone, dance alone. But my fire is warm. Put your feelings into form. Find the light inside the storm of about licensing and some of the things you need to watch out for when you're getting a contract. And one of the things I would like you to share with us is your information on publishing and also on song placement. Okay. um, Regarding licensing and publishing. Okay. Publishing first. Um, It is very important that you join what's called a PRO, Professional uh, Rights Organization. In, in the U.S., there are three of them. There's BMI, there's ASCAP, and there's CSAC. It, they are the ones that collect money for you when your song gets placed or, or gets uh, recorded, used in a commercial, anything else. There's another organization called Sound Exchange, and they um, deal with stuff on the Internet that BMI and the others 
may have trouble collecting. They specifically focus on Internet streaming. So uh, those that are really important to, uh, to join. Um, and you can register yourself as an artist and or a publisher. So you can have two accounts with, with each of these um, organizations. So that if somebody else does your song, um, BMI will make sure you're paid. For, for example, I belong to BMI. Uh, so that's what that's about. Um, if you just do it as an artist and you don't record, you don't uh, join as a publisher also, you, you might have trouble uh, getting paid because someone else may want to publish your stuff and uh, then you have a negotiation to do this way. If you own it, um, you, you call the shot. Uh, okay. Good, good point. Uh, the other thing is when you're licensing songs with this, um, you make sure that when people are going to want parts of the publishing, okay, of the songs. What you do, though, is they have to share publishing rights only for the placements that they make, for the life of that particular placement. Okay, for example, if Storm of Changes is used in a TV series, okay, um, once that series is over, all the rights revert to me, except if they rebroadcast the series and use the song. Ah. Right. So if they Good had point. a situation like that, um, let's say that the, the series is over and a year or so goes by before they find a way to, like, let's say Netflix picks it up. So it's been a year since it's been off the air. I mean, with a scenario like that, how do you know when it's reverted to you and when it ends up back with them again is there anything you have to do or is that all sort of automatic built into the first contract it's, it's automatic they send you cue sheets they send cue sheets uh -huh. to bmi what would the what would be the situation if you thought the song was yours again and another party wanted to use it um and you didn't realize that the show was going to come back stronger than ever and like be what, a what do you mean what do you mean it? another party well for example the you you sold a song and it's being used in a particular series, right? And so right. the series ends, the rights revert back to you, and say a year goes by, and some movie director or somebody says, wow, I, I, I remember the song. Is it free now? We'd love to use it on a movie. Are you still limited in any way to the first contract in terms of use? No, no it's a brand new contract. Okay, and they, then what, they if would the have, first they series, would what if the first series comes back on and starts and needs to reuse it because now they've been picked up as a cycle? If it's picked up, if it, if it comes back as is, then I get paid again. Uh -huh. Now, if, if someone else wants to do it, they have to contact me um, at, as the publisher and the writer, and BMI will see to it that... Um, once the deal is made, that I, that I get paid. Now that's their so, they, all of their people. They listen to everything, and they they write. It is a very tedious job that they have. They have to write down, you know, what station they listen to all day, the time it was, the you know, whoever the um, what, what the title of the song, that the actual time it was broadcast. It, it's something they keep very very specific records. So it's easy to track. Mm -hmm. 
I, I would imagine with the technology today, like what you have in, say, an app like um, Shazam that can recognize a song, I wonder how much of this is just being automated where back in, back in the day, perhaps, they really did have to have it monitored by people just staying up and, and tracking where songs are going. It's probably a combination of both, I would think. Shazam uh-huh. is relatively new. Right. You know, right. So I'm, I'm sure I'm, I'm sure there's it's like when, you know, if you have a, a file in your computer, you also have it backed up somewhere. You know what I'm saying? So if they're using Shazam and something goes down, you know, Shazam goes down or some of these some of these uh, apps, they go out of business. You know, right. So if you're, if you're that point. reliant on technology, I mean, you can get screwed big time if you don't have wow. it backed up, you know, by people. Well, do you guys want to take a break and listen to Look Who's Crying Now? Okay. Sure. Okay, let's let's hear that one. This is Vivian Sessoms doing the lead vocal. Yes. I got over you 
Yeah. 